Hello and welcome to Maine Education Matters with Matt and Matt. My name is still Matt. And I, well, at least for the moment, am Matt too. That's that's true. That's true. Even though we did our big goodbye episode last time with the big five-hour blowout on episode 100, uh, I still haven't left. No, uh, I'm, 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 I'm still here and I'm planning, not planning on going anywhere, uh, Maine, so you're welcome. And... Um, I think that your welcome might be your welcome. Yeah. Oh, it's a question mark on an exclamation <laughs> point. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah. But in, in these uncertain times, I got to be honest, I'm not certain of my, even my name anymore. I don't know what end is up. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what day it is. I don't know. I don't know what to do uh, anymore. don't know if school's coming back. don't know if sports are ever coming back. don't know if I'm ever going to go to another concert in my life. don't know if uh, what my name is. Yeah. Well, fortunately, as we record this, we have our logo in the background, and that's how I remember. Yep. So I'm looking at like your name right now. So your name is Matt, but it's with an E at the end. So it's like like that kind of paint, like that kind of a paint yep. finish. Gotcha. And mine is Terz. Which is also very appropriate, I'd say. Yeah, you probably want to put a D in there somewhere. Okay, so uh, we're off to a rollicking start, as always. Uh, well, you know, if, 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 we, if we did our, fir- our first 100 episodes in one particular way, why would we start our, the next 100? Exactly. I oh, totally wait, there won't agree. be another 100. Well, you never know. <laughs> you never I have know. an idea. I'll share it later. Okay. Uh, let's start with some executive orders. Yeah, uh, not a, there's, obviously there's not a whole heck of a lot going on. Um, in the <laughs> nope, that link doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> we are I, so on brand. <laughs> so apparently, so all right, peel back the curtain, folks. We have a document where we have links, and I put a Zoom link into where our links for the executive orders are. So, quite frankly, I don't know what they are, but here's one of them for you that I do know. Um, it's about buses and flashing lights. And if you remember back when this whole thing started, the buses, when they were delivering food, were not allowed to use their flashing lights and their blinkers because I don't know why. I'm not going to even pretend to know why. Well, now they can. Yay. Better. Yeah, better. Okay. okay. <laughs> I know. The next one is talks about certification. It does. That's this all, was, that's uh, all I've got. got link for this one, Matt. <laughs> Um, it's executive order number 52 and that's all we need to tell them. That's really it. Yes. Just go look up the rest. That's what we're here for. We provide links and limited information. Yeah. It's about certification and really with with everything being in the upside down right now, who knows what's going to, if certification is ever going to matter again. Uh, Really? Wow. That's a hot take. Because what if I've gone, we've gone all, all these classes of, getting teaching and pedagogy and all these ideas. And then, well, now we're doing simultaneous in-person and remote learning for the rest of our lives. Uh, Okay, well, I didn't go to school for that. So is my certification valid? That's a great point. That's a great point. No, it's, I think it's a serious point because I was reading something today uh, talking about certification because there is one part that I wanted to highlight in here. It's about the praxis testing and it says that for applications submitted during the state of emergency, enforcement of the requirement for praxis testing is suspended, uh, mainly because there are no testing centers open. So potential teachers can't take the praxis right now. They just can't take it. Right. So 
if they can still get a certificate after because of the praxis test, all of a sudden, why do you need the praxis test? That was going to be my question to you, which was yep. if we've asked that same question about the SAT, we've asked that same question about those other assessments where they're canceling them because they don't necessarily they can't do them. Well, they can't do them now. Yep. But we're moving on without it. So to what extent do we actually need it? Well, I think the same thing has come up with the AP testing this year that we talked about, I don't know, a bunch of episodes ago, that the AP oh, yeah. testing is all online this year. Uh, it's only 45 minutes, and it is not going so well, I guess you could say. I haven't heard, I haven't heard good things, Matt. No. And, but the good news is the ones that couldn't submit their answers can retake it a couple weeks later. Right. So they get to spend another 45 minutes doing it. Yes. And now they, to the point there, you can email your answers. Ah. So again, I think the kids might be reconsidering, why am I taking the test? I like the classes. I'm all for the classes. I'm an AP teacher, but the test nowadays, not so sure. Yeah. The, the only reason I know to take it is because it can one help with college credit or help with scholarships. Yep. That, you know, that benchmark. But if places and grant organizations are finding ways of being able to fund those grants and, and award those students without the test, well, just because we've always done it that way, does that mean we continue to do it that way? I think that is the question we should be asking ourselves about everything these days. Yeah. I have heard rumblings and rumors and I've you know, I don't want to be a rumor mill and spread any rumors because really, Matt, it's just you and I talking to each other right now or just having our own personal conversation. Because Obviously, frankly, yep. yep. As we said before, no one in their right mind would listen to this. God, no. Um, those people in the episode, we actually paid them with spicy yeah. pickle chips. Yeah, it was worth it. It was. They, they, they said some really great things. Um, <laughs> but I have heard some... <laughs> that's all I have to say about them. They <laughs> um I have heard some rumblings that the DOE and folks in that area are considering this idea of knowing that we're going to be back in some form of remote learning in the fall. Are there going to be some requirements or expectations for teachers to get some professional learning on remote learning? And these, like, these things might be more so than an, um, uh, an encouragement, but more like, no, this is going to become a requirement. Yeah, I think... That is one of the questions the teachers in my district have been asking. Uh, we put out a survey for the last couple of weeks, and one of the questions was, uh, can you please tell us what are some best practices for online learning? Like, we're, yep. we're doing it, but we don't really know what we're doing like everybody else. So are there some better ways to do this that would make it more engaging, uh, better for the kids? Uh, because we've done everything we can over these last couple of months and it's been successful, but how successful is it going to be again when the kids start in the fall? Or is it going to be the same thing or are kids going to be like, we can do better? And I don't know what that is. So I, I hope they come up with something. Yeah, I, I hope they do too. And um, I, we've been toying around things like, could we um, require new teachers or even old teachers or whoever teachers to be uh, you know, Apple teacher certified or Google teacher certified or starting down these particular roads of requiring some levels of certifications in some of these um, bigger um, ed educational technology learning platforms, especially ones that are more ubiquitous across the, the state. Um, there is something so that, that I... Kind of a, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say that, that that's one of those ideas that we're just throwing around because um, if everyone is using these kind of things, we want to make sure that our people here know how to actually use them and use them effectively. You know? So one of the things that I've heard, and I'm kind of expanding on this as I talk here, is to have uh, one of the teachers at every particular grade level or grade span or however you want to organize it be like the focus for online learning that mm -hmm. they won't have any in-person learning but they'll also be the go-to person maybe for the school or for the for the area that they work in uh, that when you do have limited schooling and you know if we do have schooling at all it will be with limited kids so you won't need all of the teachers to teach all of the kids right then but if you had one person focus on the online learning uh, and figuring out what those things are. I, I bet there would be somebody in most schools who would be interested in taking that on if that person doesn't exist already, like a tech integrator or something. But yeah, I, I think that that would be also a wise decision for, for districts who are looking at real budget shortfalls, because quite frankly, everyone's going to be at major budget shortfalls over the now and in the next year. Yep. Um, to possibly instead of cuts or furloughs or whatever, trying to figure out ways of repurposing. And yeah. this might be a temporary, it could be long-term, but it could be a way of taking your existing staff and saying, well, actually, you, you could cut this position, or we could say, we're going to put this person in this particular line area of uh, educational leadership or educational coaching or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it, and then say, we need that right now. And you all board members, you, I'm sure you understand that. Yep. I think and that would be- public will too. I think that'd be a good sell, I think, because I think the public at this point understands that schools are a little bit different, especially the public with the kids that are home all the time now, <laughs> uh, trying to figure something out that, well, that sounds good. Let's try something. Because right. Otherwise, you're cutting teachers, potentially. And if something ever does happen, uh, you know, I heard a rumor the other day that after November 3rd, the whole virus is was just going to go away. Really? Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, it was this guy, I don't know, some junior or something said that. And he was like, oh. yeah, that's definitely going to happen. So miracles, okay. miracles. After, after, after November 3rd, after, isn't that around election time? I, yeah, I, I, I think so. I think so. I think there was an election going on this year. I don't God. pay attention to any of that stuff. I don't know. It's legislative stuff. Why would I pay attention to that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We are totally on brand. Let's move to the next section of our, and our conversation started with certification <laughs> and it ended up at Donald Trump Jr. Awesome. Uh, M some MDOE news. Awesome. <laughs> I hope you're saying awesome to Donald Trump Jr. and not MDOE news. Yes. Cause you know, I'm asking the question. Awesome. I'm not sure. Uh, All right. Let's mark. Yeah, I doubt it. All right. Uh, the first one is about a commission on educating military children. So yeah, on uh, Wednesday, May 27th at 9.30 in the morning, uh, these, uh, all, all 50 states plus uh, the District of Columbia belong to this mil Military Interstate Children's Compact Commission, and they appoint a council to oversee the implementation of the compact at the state level. So um, wanna make sure that you know, they enroll, uh, children of military families uh, can get into new schools quickly, seamlessly, um, and that, all of those students are able to stay on track on time. So that meeting is happening May 27th at 9.30 a.m. And you can email uh, Tyler Backus at main.com. Sounds good to me. That's a good plan. 
Uh, next one is about Maine Teachers of the Year. Well, first of all, congratulations. To the Yay! Uh, right now we have the Maine County Teachers of the Year. You can go to maintoy.org to meet them virtually, of course, because of exercising social distancing. And um, it's just a, it's a, it's a great program. Dolly Sullivan was on last week uh, talking about it. And um, yeah, so that's happening. And congratulations to the, six, the County Teachers of the Year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And good luck with their next steps to becoming State Teacher of the Year. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, the next one is about devices. Right. So um, I don't know if you're aware of this, Matt, but Maine is a pretty rural state. I was wondering um, what all those trees were. It's not known for its um, urban element, shall I say. Fair. Um, now, I remember you know, many years ago now when I, I got married up in the area here and a friend of mine who came from the New York area, New York's city area came up here and looked around and said uh there's no tree shortage what are people talking about <laughs> what I've, always, I've always wondered that too what are people complaining about there are trees everywhere i did uh, hear so something when i was a kid just to go off track a little bit but i'll get you back in a second when i was a kid i heard a stat that 98 percent of maine was covered with trees and i was like that's that can't be right as I'm looking around the school and there's streets and there's houses, and there's some trees and stuff. And then now with, when you have like uh, Google maps and stuff that you can see from a distance, mm. I think 98% might be a little light. A little on the low side. A little on the low side. There's, there's a lot of trees here. There's a lot of trees here. Anyway, back to your awesome story that I rudely interrupted. No, that was the end of my story actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't interrupt anything. A lot of trees is, is the takeaway there. So that, so Matt's hot take for today is Maine, got a lot of trees. A lot of trees. So part of the reason why I brought this whole rural thing up is because with this rural environment, we have some issues of broadband connectivity um, and internet access for students, for families, even for teachers. And because teachers are families too. Um, and <laughs> Hot take. That's another hot take. Teachers are people too. Uh, and so one of the things that the DOE has been working on is trying to secure these uh, Wi-Fi or learning devices for students in areas of need. We talked about this a little a couple weeks ago when it first came out. The first ones went up to Piscataquis County because they were needed. Well, uh, they put out a bunch of requests for grants, for information, or for people interested in it. And uh, what the Mills administration is saying is that they have secured 100% of those devices for Maine students who need them. That's great. I know they haven't all gotten out to the main schools yet or to the students because for many different reasons, one of them I'm fairly confident and pretty sure of is that the company's backlogged mm -hmm. because doing it because there's a lot of need for that right now and maybe more elevated need than ever before. Sure. So um, they're going to get these, uh, they, they've, according to their, this newsroom release, they've acquired 14,494 service contracts through three different service providers. Uh, with nearly all of which are Wi-Fi enabled Samsung Galaxy tablets. So DOE is also able to order MiFi, a wireless router that acts as a mobile Wi-Fi hotspot. So some of those places, they just don't even have any kind of connection option. They can use that. Mm -hmm. So good for the DOE. Um, Absolutely. Especially as we continue down this road of remote slash distance slash emergency learning, it's going to be really important to make sure that we maintain connection, 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 connection. 
I totally agree. I totally agree. I think that is a, a great thing the DOE did. I know they've been working on that for quite a while. Uh, and finally, it has uh, come true. Yay, DOE. Yay. I, like I said, yep. for, for nice while, job. Since, since this thing has gone down, since March-ish, they have stepped up big, bigly. Bigly. I totally they've agree. Stepped, they've stepped up bigly, and I'm, I'm just very appreciative to their work. The next thing on our list is about CDC guidelines. Oh, Matt, these are fun. These are awesome. By uh, fun, I mean, oh my gosh, are you serious? So we have a one-pager that we will link to on all our, we'll get our social media managers on it. And sure. it's a dis decision tree on how to consider opening. And this started going around uh, last week, I believe. We talked about it in my district as a, in our admin meeting and we're looking at it and we're like, oh my God, we're never going to open again. I, I, I don't know how. So let's walk through it a little bit. Let's make okay. some decisions in the decision tree. So I'm going to read some of it uh, pretty, the, the beginning part, uh, the purpose of this tool. It's always nice to have a purpose. Uh, is to <laughs> we should have thought of that. I know. Like, we're 101 episodes in. We could have figured this out a long time ago. Oh, man. And all right, it's to assist administrators in making reopening decisions regarding K-12 schools during the pandemic. It's important to check with state and local health officials and other partners to determine the most appropriate actions while adjusting to meet the unique needs and circumstances of the local community. Now that all makes sense to me so far. Yep, to help make things, and but also realize the unique needs of... Yeah, it might, it might be different, for instance, in Presque Isle than it is for Portland. I would think so. You would think so. Just, you know, the rurality of Maine. Is that a word, by the way? It is now. Oh, nice. All words are made up. <sighs> that person was a genius. Uh, so yeah. it, it might be different, and that's where <laughs> that's true. Uh, anyway, the first question is, should you consider opening? And there are three tests that they have to do, basically. The first one says, will reopening be consistent with applicable state and local orders? Okay. Next one, is the school ready to protect children and employees at higher risk for severe illness? Okay. And the last one is, are you able to screen students and employees upon arrival for symptoms and history of exposure? Okay. Now, my question is, we don't have to do like, what, two out of those three, one out of those three? If there right? are any of those are a no, Yeah. there's this big red stop sign that says, do not open. It's in big and bold letters. So, so then what do you see as being the biggest barrier that's going to say that, that most schools are going to get through this decision tree and say, this is something we just like logistically or um, philosophically, et cetera, can't manage. You have, will it be consistent with, with applicable state local orders? Is it ready to protect children at a higher risk with illnesses or able to screen students and employees upon arrival? What do you think is going to be the hardest? It is that last one right there. Why do you think that, Matt? Um, screening students and employees. I see my 500 student elementary school mm -hmm. and 60 to 70 adults mm -hmm. trying to screen those kindergartners that are hauling in with their, let's imagine it's snowing, so it's uh, up to early September now in Maine. And, and they're sniffling and they're just excited to be there because they haven't been to school in a while 
and we're going to take their temperature with something. I don't. Yeah. I, are, are we going to ask the kids? Hey, you feeling sick? Hey, uh, let me feel your forehead because that's not like social distancing at all. Um, I don't. I don't see how possibly we can do that without uh, some type of organization and supplies and some training and 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 it keeps going on and on and on right so one of the things that that makes me think about all this is i'm thinking about how student arrivals let's say at the school number one on the buses themselves that's going to be a completely different issue um but but how you know are we screening kids before they get on the bus because if they got on the bus without being screened, they could be transmitting, they could be carrying, they could be you know, asymptomatic and could be doing whatever, and, or they could be symptomatic and just be there anyway and whatever, they could be transmitting. So upon, but this is upon arrival because you know, some people get dropped off. Yep. All right. Um, so we're already looking at a backlog of trying to get people into school. So that means that do we start school earlier to allow for that backlog or do we just say, okay, people are going to be late, which then you say those parents who drop the kids off, they're going to now be late going to work possibly. And that could be getting them into trouble because you're not just going to leave a kid, drop a kid off on a, like a first grader or a kindergartner outside of the, 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 the school and say, all right, see a kiddo drive away. I mean, my parents probably would have done that, but um, same. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a different era, Matt. It's a different era. Yeah, that's very true. Um, what what if those kids do uh, kind of get dropped off like that? Because that happens. Sure. And suddenly you screen the kid. Let's say you you are screening the kids, and they're like, uh, "You have you know you your fever is ninety nine. It's time for you to go home." Right. Well, I can't go home. My parents just left. So right. where now? Where do you put the kid? In isolation until they come back, or the end of the day? What what happens then? Do you do like section off the gym? So there's no more PE classes happening in the gym, let's say, and you just make these, you know, 12 by 12 boxes with a chair in the middle of them. And you just have the kids sit in that chair in that box for until parents can come and pick them up. And then, yeah, I don't know how that works. I, this is going to be the one, one of the ones that's, you know, is the school ready to protect children and employees at high risk? I think we can figure that out. Um, yeah, we, I think I think so. Can we be consistent with applicable state and local orders? For me, that depends on the state and local orders, um, because how 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 restrictive are they going to be? But the screening of students and employees, it's going to delay things. Um, if we're following guidelines for kids getting on the buses at the end of the day, we're going to have to extend dismissal time because everyone's going to have to be sprayed down. Um, maybe we consider getting those uh, misting tents and just putting like almost weaponizing sanitizer. And... Well, put it this way, but before you go on there, I think if we yeah. got those misting tents, uh, you'd be weaponizing the sanitizer because in Maine, that stuff's going to freeze on the way down. That's a little bit of sleet. It will. Sleet. <laughs> it's just like sleet. Exactly. It's like sleet. It's like kids but get used it to it. It's once sanitized it sleet. It's sanitized sleet. Sanitized sleet. Once it hits the skin, it'll melt and it'll be all fine. Fine, exactly. It's this kind of magical thinking that's driving things right now. So, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> I, I think mean, that's fair. I might be showing something, but we have uh, two other sections, but we can't even go to the other sections unless all of those are a yes. Right. And it gets real. The next one, just to go over real quick, because we're never going to get there. Our recommended health and safety actions in place, uh, and the things are promoting healthy hygiene practices. Uh, where employees wearing a cloth face covering, which I know is going to get a lot of people. Uh, intensify cleaning, disinfection, and ventilation. Uh, the ventilation part is tricky in a state like Maine. Uh, again, we've, yeah. we've already weaponized the sanitizer in the last sentence. So uh, the encouraging social distancing, if feasible, and training all employees on health and safety protocols. Some of those are pretty straightforward, and some of them are going to be really difficult. It is. What if in order to encourage social distancing from our students, um, especially, well, any age level, really, but a school district were to invest in those inflatable dinosaur costumes. Okay. And everyone has to wear those. They have well, a plastic face shield, keeping like the droplets on just to yourself. Um, with the inflatable side, you're forced to kind of be a, a, you're a bit bigger yeah. than yourself. Your hands are brought in more because, you know, everyone fears the T-Rex and their hands are always very, very close to their bodies. So. Um, this is just a, a thing that the DOE, I think, could consider as a potential solution to support um, districts to say, this is a way you could do it. Everyone wears those inflatable Tyrannosaurus Rex costumes. Well, I think, I think you have solved the issues here. And for those of you at the DOE that are listening, um, start ordering, I would say. Fall's coming soon. Yes. And uh, all credit for this idea goes to Matt. Absolutely. 100% Matt. Uh, there is another section. Uh, oh, there's more? <laughs> there's another section about ongoing monitoring. Uh, and it's got one, two, three, four, five, six sections. And if all of those are yes, then you can open your schools. So it goes from three things, with that first one being like things like screening, which we already understand and are believing that is going to be nearly impossible. Yep. But, po but well, you're the improbable. It's possible. But it's possible. Really gonna go but yeah, how, it's but, possible. But the probability of really doing it well. Let's say, let's say that happens. You got those three things. Then you have four other steps to go through, which are really hard for a school. And if that all happens, you have another, what, six steps. Yep. Last time I checked, that's 13 steps. And, once, and if you were to do all those 13 steps, you still just monitor. Yep. Then it's open and monitor. Okay. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be a struggle. The struggle is real. It, it, the struggle is real. Uh, so, it, if the best thing about this is if you want more information, there's a, like a 60-page document that explains this a little more. <laughs> yeah, the 60-pager goes into all of the areas like for transportation and for, just, I don't know. But, it, but there is an area where it talks about schools and um, child care programs. For those of you wondering, it's Appendix F on, starting on page 40 of that document. So, so skip ahead. This document is something I had not seen before. I just seen the one pager before we started recording, Matt. And oh. I am already all in because of the very first page, which of course has a picture of the coronavirus that we've always seen before. Yeah. But this is uh, the CDC activities and initiatives supporting the COVID-19 response and the president's plan for opening America up again. That sounds like a good hat logo. So CDCAIS 
COVID-19 R-P-P-O-A-U-A. Rolls right off the tongue like MAGA. Yeah, it's it like MAGA. Like MAGA. And just like MAGA, this is was shelved. Uh, this one was shelved. <laughs> this this one was shelved actually for a while because they, it was uh, too uh, too restrictive. Yeah, this is the toned down version, I believe. Yeah, it's. I'm just like I. I still don't really understand what's happening. But uh, according to this, no schools are about to ever open again. Yeah, uh, it's so, gonna be it's gonna be really hard. And I, I know that school. I don't want to be all doom and gloom. I know that a lot of districts are trying to figure out how to do this because we all absolutely want to be back in school. Yep. Every single one of us wants to be back doing this again because this feels strange and wrong and off and everything is just not the way it should be because we've always done it certain ways. And But this is also an opportunity for us to look at things differently, but we all want to get back. It's we just, absolutely I do. I think what's the thing that's frustrating a lot of parents and a lot of teachers and administrators is we're all wanting to get back. We're looking to get back and we're looking for a plan. And when we finally get the plan, the plan seems like, oh my, we, there's no way. Yeah. And that can be deflating. I want to remind everyone though, we Apollo 13 this in March and we're doing an amazing job. I've said this before, uh, Maine is a beacon in the United States for how to do remote emergency distance learning. Um, people are looking at us how to do it. So um, keep going, we will figure this out. But there we have brilliant people in this state who are working every day on this stuff to figure these things out. We will get there. It just might not look like we always thought school should look. Yep, which uh, isn't a bad thing necessarily. Not necessarily, uh, no. So the next thing that came out uh, was some guidelines for summer programming. Speaking yeah. of summer programming. This was released on May the 18th, just a couple of days ago as we were recording. And yep. this was kind of after the CDC recommendations came out. Yep. So the main TV said, well, here's what we're thinking. So just for summer school, here's what needs to happen. Yep. There's a lot going on here too. Yep. There are additional staffing recommendations. Uh, there's a whole list of how to, of um, pre preparation of students, families, and staff, a pre-entry. Um, there are, again, like we talked about that pre-screening. Um, there's a sample self-check that they ask every single person to take. Yep. And if you're a parent of a younger kid, you have to do the check every day with the student, um, with your kiddo. And if the answer is yes, then we have to figure out ways of getting you staying, you staying home. There are recommendations for instructional spaces, like yep. um, prioritize classrooms and spaces with exterior doors or built-in bathrooms or close to bathrooms with proper ventilation. Uh, declutter, remove pillows and couches. So all of us who've been working on these areas of making learning environments comfortable and making learning environments welcoming, nope, sterile. Who Cement knew? Walls, tile, it, you know, back to the old prison kind of style where it's, you know, it's all institutionalized. So why not? Just white walls and nothing but hard plastic. Who knew that all the people that were trying to reimagine spaces to to help learning were just spreading the pandemic yep you we're, we're, we're spreading the good word about how to do you know, education to meet the learners needs it, it was uh we were spreading disease yep it's a it's a good lesson for all of us it is so there, <laughs> there are recommendations for instructional spaces yep. <laughs> 
Um, like, I love this one. If school-based transportation is needed, this is for summer school. Yep. Provide a plexiglass divider and or face shield for drivers. Okay. All right. Uh, sanitizer and require students to sanitize hands before entering the bus. Uh, go fill the seats from the back of the bus first. One student per per seat. For summer school, I don't see that being as big of an issue. If that's the recommendation for full school, then we're making eight bus runs. Yep. There's going to be a billion bus runs. They're going to have to start at four o'clock in the morning. They're going to drop the kids, final kids, off at like eleven o'clock in the morning, and you know, fuel consumption is going to go way through the roof. Tires are going to go through the roof. I mean, hopefully not literally. That'd be bad. That'd be bad. Uh, yeah, there's some, uh, and students should wear face masks on the bus. Yep. Because you're with people. Uh, there's also procedures for classroom or instructional space. Th this one, I talked to some folks, and this one is where they just let it through their hands up. Yeah, and and walk back, and just I'm walking away. I I don't know. I there is so much in there, which is all correct stuff. This is all done by nurses, right? From a public health perspective, one hundred. What you do? Yep. Absolutely, you 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 can't not do it if you want to maintain safety and the health of your students, of your faculty, and of your families and your community. You have to do these things. But to do them on a do them on an individual scale is exhausting. Yeah. Do them on a uh, systemic scale? <laughs> How? I think there's gonna be most districts are gonna be like, yeah, the good idea, but we we're not gonna do this. Oh yeah, and by the way, for you uh you young kids out there at playgrounds, nope. Nope. Playground off limits should remain off limits. Yep. Uh, to toys and or accessories should not be used. So for those of you math teachers who use the manipulatives, nope, sorry. It's back to every kid uses one pencil and it's their pencil. Well, you can put your name on it. I would say the next one actually fits right in with, our, with your T-Rex idea. Uh, maintain six feet distancing in all directions. If in you're wearing way. those things, you're fine, right? I think so, you can't, you can't reach anybody. I'd, I'd say that one is a good idea for the costumes. Uh, this goes, it, it keeps going, by the way. It keeps going. <laughs> for quite a while. Yeah. Supplies needed and illness policies and nursing considerations. Uh, and to the people who built this, congratulations. This is a wonderful document. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's really it, good. We're not, I'm not trying to poo-poo it anyway. I think that districts need to use it as a really hardcore guideline of how yep. to do things. But like I said, on an individual level, it's exhausting. At a systemic level, you're looking at it like you've opened up your garage and it's just nothing but piles and piles stacked on top of each other, a full entire garage. And you look at it, you go, oh my God, where do we start? Mm -hmm. I don't even know where to start. And if I just do a little bit, and if I work for an hour or two hours or five hours and I look back, the garage still looks like a complete mess. Have I done anything? Well, I think you said before, it is not impossible but it's just difficult, but we've done more difficult things before. We have. And, and if this is the way in-person school is gonna look like, uh, then people are gonna figure it out. We will figure this out, and yeah. that, that I firmly believe. Yep, I, I agree. It, look, it does look overwhelming. Um, we don't have much left on our list, and I hope the links aren't uh, like other Zoom links, because that'd be really weird. Uh, what do we got left here, Matt? Well, I think another, along with the main teacher of the year, kind of the year, we also recently announced the 
uh, main curriculum leader of the year and the main instructional leaders of the year. We did. <laughs> and who were they? So John Totnody out of Old Town won uh, the, the curriculum leader of the year. Yes, he did. And our coach of the year was Penny Allen, and she is in RC12, I believe. Uh, and that's the first one. That's the first instructional coach of the year. So congratulations. It is. The main curriculum leaders have been doing this instructional co-op uh, to help uh, boost and encourage the use of instructional coaches, whom I believe are some of the most important and impactful people you could have in a school district because they provide that job-embedded professional learning that all teachers really need in this era. Agreed. Um, so yeah, they started this, uh, this coaching, not only program or co-op, but now there's a, um, an award for instructional coaches of the year. So congratulations. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and we're down to our last thing here. We are. And this is, it says, Matt, move update. Uh, where are you going, Matt? Uh, I am moving and grooving. <laughs> I was wondering if you were moving on up. That's where I went. Uh, to the east side? <laughs> <laughs> to the big uh, something in the sky? Deluxe apartment. <laughs> That's right. I couldn't come up with it. <laughs> nice. Not a uh, deluxe apartment. A deluxe. A deluxe apartment. Of course. Of course. Um, as we record this, uh, I'll be on my way to California in three days. Uh, so my next report uh, looks like it's going to be from the road. And we've thrown some ideas out, but we'll, we'll save those for our future pod. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, I, I, I do want to say one thing about your move. One of the things that, you know, not knowing where we're going to go from here, I, I, I did have the idea to uh, call some people up and, ha and, and wish, have you wished, uh, wish, oh my gosh, I can't even say it, to wish you goodbye and wish you good luck. And I'd like to play that for you now. Oh, excellent. I didn't do it because that would be work and that's on brand. Oh, totally on brand. Totally get it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, we are getting some decent responses of people that are, uh, we, when we put out our things for uh, co-host with Matt coming up, um, the response has been, let's, let's go, let's put it this way. The people who like those tweets, congratulations, you're the new co-host. <laughs> and the rest was crickets at this point, but I understand it's that time of year. And to be honest, as we record this, the, that last pod has been out for about 60 hours. So it's, yeah. it's not that much. Not that much time. I, I'm also thinking in terms of maybe we, we do a, a, a co-host issue or maybe we just have various correspondence. Ah, ooh. Uh, so we could have like a PEPG correspondent and we could have a pre-K or CDS or a computer science or a school to work, a school board issues. Um, we could, I don't know, have you seen um, the Some Good News with John Krasinski? Yes. So like kind of like the people doing the weather. Okay. <laughs> you know, bring them in and yeah, it looks pretty good. Okay. That's it. I'd, I'd say that uh, that's a good plan. So if so... Uh, any honestly all ideas are up on the air right now um if if folks want this to continue um we'd love to do it love to keep it going um i just don't want to i honestly personally don't want to do it by myself no it would be tough when you make the jokes and then nobody kind of half laughs at them like i've been trying to thank, thank you for trying I, I appreciate the effort um yes the, i mean the voices in my head will laugh 
Mm, hard to get those on mic, though. One, well, yeah, hard to get those on mic, but I would be good to the editing staff to put in a laugh track. So, yeah, so if you'd like this to continue, we, 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 we want it to, but um, we'd love to have people to talk, have a dialogue back and forth on it, because goodness knows that I think my ideas are right, but I'd like someone else to keep me in check from time to time. <laughs> Okay. Uh, and with that uplifting announcement, I think we are done for this week. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>